0: Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. My name is Tim Enneking, and this is episode 43. Today is July 5th, so we're a day late because of the U.S. holiday, uh, 2023, and it is about three o'clock on the west coast of the United States. Uh, a bunch of small topics today, and I just realized as I was looking over them, there. They're all fiat-related. There's not really been a lot in the crypto in crypto news, uh, which in and of itself is a bit of good news uh, because BTC has been hovering above thirty thousand dollars, and despite some of the negative regulatory news out of North America, both the U.S. and Canada, uh, crypto has been looking fairly good. So, um, from our perspective, it's a good accumulation time. Uh, there are five topics to discuss. Uh, very all of them very short. The first. Uh, and the last actually are interesting trends. Uh, the US now employs more people and has less unemployment than it did pre COVID. Now, that's actually a very important statistic because the labor participation rate is the, that is the number, the percentage of the population that works was above 63% uh, pre COVID. And it fell down to just under sixty one percent, which doesn't sound like much, but it's a huge difference and it represents each percent represents about three and a half million people, so it's a it's a small shift is a in the number is a big move in people. Now the labor participation rate isn't quite up to where it was, but in terms of absolute numbers because the population is growing, the us now employs more more people, which is really quite amazing. And the uh, unemployment rate, which is actually low by historical standards pre-COVID, is even lower now. So really crossed uh, uh, a Rubicon, uh, hit another milestone, pick your metaphor, it's, uh, it's quite impressive. You can say pretty much that the U.S. has uh, recovered on the employment front from uh, COVID and COVID measures uh, not true on the financial front, but a little bit more about that later. Uh, last Friday, the PCE was up 3.8%. And that's consumption index, which the Fed prefers more than uh, over the CPI. Uh, And so here's an example of what I was just mentioning. And that is, we're starting to see on the financial front, things are also moving back to normal. I think we're a lot further away there. We're going to be wrestling with high inflation, uh, high debt, and the Fed balance sheet for uh, a number of years going out. But a three handle, 3.8%. It's the first time that PCE has been below 4% uh, since, uh, since COVID. And it's interesting from my perspective because I maintained a very consistent outlook on what's going to happen with interest rates. And uh, this statistic re- really reinforces to me that the Fed is done hiking. Uh, as per my prior prediction, because the, informa- the, the data coming out, while not fabulous from an anti-inflation standpoint, is progressively, steadily, incrementally uh, better and better. The third point is revisions. As some of you know who have listened to a couple of the podcasts, one of the points I've made several times is be wary of statistics as Mark Twain would say, you have lies, damn lies and statistics, but I don't really mean that. I just mean the first crack at statistics that are released. Uh, the US government actually does a, a better job than, than many governments by A, releasing statistics in a timely basis and B, consistently releasing them as opposed to other governments uh, that I, I won't name for the moment that, that adjust or simply don't release statistics. The nice thing about that is you get the numbers immediately. Uh, the unfortunate thing about the U.S. statistics coming out really quickly is that sometimes they're wrong, and usually or not wrong. They're, they're, they 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 need to be adjusted, more accurate, I should say. Can't can't really characterize them as wrong. But what that means is when you have statistics, you take them with a, you should take them with a grain of salt and see how they're ultimately revised and what you end what you end up with, you know, a quarter or so later. Now, sometimes you have overt manipulation, but not by the government. Remember, I re- referred to unemployment statistics that unemployment had suddenly skyrocketed, but it was because 40% of the entire U.S. unemployment was out of Massachusetts. And, made that, and I made that point on a call with some folks from UBS the other day, and they said, ah, yes, yeah, so the next week it was in Ohio, which I hadn't heard, but you had the same issue of fraud, actually, or attempted fraud, in unemployment claims actually affecting national statistics, which if you want to attract attention to yourself is the way to do it. But in any event, those uh, statistics were adjusted. They weren't actually revised up or down, but they were at a footnote added to them because of the the clear source of an uh, aberration or an aberrant statistic. Two statistics, important statistics, very important ones were revised very recently. Personal income and spending Was uh, set at Uh, 0.8% for uh, May, rather sorry for April, rather than 0.6%, and consumer spending was weakened by 0.1%. So the the actual statistics were better from an inflation standpoint than the original ones. Another very important. Uh, even more important revision was GDP. Q1-23 GDP was revised revised upwards and was revised upwards a lot. Interestingly, the first two readings, there are three readings for GDP. Some statistics are only revised once. The first and second readings were 1.3%, but the third reading was 2% and it was up 2%. And so if you think about that, that's actually uh, a negative from an inflation standpoint But it's fabulous from a are we going to go into a recession standpoint? Because the economy is still, is still humming along quite quite well. But there's a downside to the upward revision in Q1, and that is Q2, which probably was a little slower than Q1. If you compared Q2 to 1.3%, Q2 would probably show a little drop or unchanged or maybe a small chance of a slight increase of a tenth of a a percent or something. But now that Q1 has been revised, we're we're going to see a bigger drop for Q2, or we're certainly going to see a drop, and it's going to be bigger than it would have been without that. So the revising statistics have, uh, the revision of statistics has two different effects. One, obviously, it changes whatever those stats are, but it also addresses the future one, which is something I really hadn't fully... Realized it addresses future statistics because their starting point got moved So again, very important to pay attention to not just original cut of statistics In fact, the first one is almost always wrong by a little bit or almost always off by a little bit Let me back away from wrong and it's important to bear that in mind and look at the second and third reads The fourth point is related to uh, employment and unemployment, kind of. Wages were up 0.5% in May, uh, and that's the biggest increase since January. Interestingly, interestingly though, the the higher wages don't appear to be uh, driving inflation because even though wages were up, consumer spending, as I mentioned earlier, was revised further down. So. Where does that money go? It means it goes into reducing debt or goes into savings. And uh, with respect to consumer debt, I should do a, a point on that at some point in time. the uh, consumer uh, debt and savings debt plunged and scavi- savings skyrocketed during COVID. not hard to imagine, not hard to imagine why. It's actually the highest, savings rate since World War II in the United States. Since then, savings have plunged and consumer debt has skyrocketed as things like revenge travel kick in and uh consumption in that was suppressed before is trying to catch up and, and even overtake. I'm sure you've all heard the apocryphal stories about the waves of tourists. It's only it's only very early July and already in May and June, waves of tourists have hit Uh, certain tourist regions so badly that in some cases they're restricting the number of tourists that can come in. So what what you have, though, is wages up and consumer spending down. And generally, from a long-term macroeconomic perspective, that's actually quite positive because the U.S. savings rate historically has been very high, uh, very low, and consumer debt has been not record high based on other OECD countries, but quite high. Uh, the fifth and last point is a statistic that was so interesting, so unusual that I just had to include it, even though it's only indirectly related to finance. And that is the number of forty year olds in the United States who have never married. And so you think about that by the time you're forty, the odds are you're, the odds that you're going to marry afterwards, or go down every year just statistically. And because you're not married doesn't mean you're not living with someone who don't have kids or something like that. But uh, the odds of not being in a long-term relationship and not having kids go up considerably than if you're married, rightly or wrongly. So here's the trend, and I'm gonna start historically and move forward as opposed to the article which started now and moved back. So in 1980, 6% of all people living in the United States, who were 40, 40 years old, had never been married. So 6%, it's 1 16th and almost, you know, it's, it's not really, it's barely statistically significant. By 2010, so it's 30 years, so it's a good chunk of time, that rate had more than tripled. 20% of all 40 year olds had never married. And just in the last uh, 13 years, I guess, well, this is, the statistic is from 2021, so 11 years, 10 years. Another, it increased by another big amount, by another quarter, 25%, so fully one-fourth of the population of the United States, up from one-sixteenth, now what are you talking, 40 years ago, one-fourth of the population of the United States is 40 and has never married. Uh, I find that to be a, a massively... Uh, a massive shift in a really interesting number because when you think about it that it, it affects consumption you know if you don't have if you don't have kids and this isn't 40 year olds I've never married with no kids so a lot of them you can assume had kids but fewer and uh, and and the prospects of them having kids going forward are much lower so their attitude towards saving their consumption they can travel versus buying school books or whatever the the, the, the that trend is just huge in a relatively short period of time. And the negative implication, of course, is also related to children because the uh, you have when you have fewer married couples, as a general rule, you end up with fewer children in the population. That's certainly what you're seeing in the United States. As I mentioned earlier, about 16% of the population of the U.S. at any given time over the last 50 years consists of immigrants. And it is only immigrants that are keeping the U.S. Uh, population uh, the working population, right, which is the population that contributes to social security and keeps, you know, retirement programs going, et cetera, et cetera, that can't get too low where you end up having what's going on in, in South Korea and Japan, where it's, it, there's just no money left to pay, uh, uh, to pay retirees, and so they're facing massive debt ceilings. Uh, you, it, it, this, this has massive implications on every level, financially and culturally, um, in the United States, and with that little intriguing statistic, that is all that I have for today. Uh, we'll speak again next week, try to get back to Tuesday. Yesterday was the 4th of July. And, and happy U.S. Independence Day to all of you. Uh, so we're a day late this week, but we'll get back on schedule next week. Thank you very much.